You're listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From September the 6th, 2020 at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida. The text is John chapter 4, verses 5 through 26. So Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. And Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming back to this well to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, Now know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He will proclaim all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I am am he. Once upon a time, there was a church. Let's call it Chapel by the Tree. The church had a big decision to make. You see, the old carpet was worn and tired. It was unraveled in places and had lots of stains from the prepackaged communion juice spilling out when people tried to open them. Even Stanley's steamer couldn't get the stains out. 
So the church needed new carpet. On that they agreed. But the agreement stopped there. Some in the church wanted to replace the carpet in kind with the deep red plush carpet that once looked so beautiful and regal. We've always had red carpet, said one of the matriarchs of the church. It's our tradition. But some of the younger people in the church wanted something fresher and more contemporary. Red is so dated. One of the young women commented to her friend, you know, blue carpet would complement the wood features and, you know, get us out of the 1950s. Tension grew. Team red began casting aspersions on team blue and vice versa. Then came the business meeting. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You don't respect the rich tradition that red carpet represents, accused members of Team Red. We were married here 50 years ago. I walked down the aisle on red carpet to meet my husband, said the matriarch. Another member of Team Red said, I was on the building committee that chose red carpet because it represents the blood of Jesus. You must not love Jesus if you don't want red carpet. That's how building committee members talk, I guess. Members of Team Blue were offended. Well, you must not love young people if you don't want blue carpet, said one young person. You just want everything to stay exactly the same. You don't even want us here. Some of the members of Team Blue threatened to leave the church if Blue wasn't the ultimate choice. Now, near the back of the room sat a stranger. No one had seen him before. He looked a little rough around the edges, like he maybe didn't belong in a church, and certainly not in a church business meeting where only members could vote. <clears throat> Excuse me, he said politely. Now, I'm not a member here, but I, I just had a thought he said. His, his voice was humble and diminutive. He said, I, I hear you guys kind of arguing about the color of the carpet, but I'm sitting back here thinking how nice tile might look. And it would be easier to clean when somebody spills their communion juice. And, and that's all. And the stranger sat down. The members of the church sat in stunned silence. Married couples exchanged kind of approving glass, glances, you know, the kind of glance. A couple of awkward moments passed and the matriarch stood to speak. Yes, I can imagine that tile might look very nice, she said. Team Red nodded their approval. Team Blue, someone from Team Blue stood to say, yes, tile will look very nice. And within months, the church installed a beautiful, neutral colored tile. Now, in case you're wondering, Chapel by the Sea, we're not embroiled in any arguments over the color of the carpet. <laughs> Thanks be to God. The moral of the story, in case you're wondering, is to present to you the idea that sometimes we get so entrenched and so in love with our own opinions 
We dig in our heels, and it's hard to see anything outside of that. Sometimes it takes a stranger, someone from the outside, to come in and show us a third way. Not red, not blue, not even purple, but a different floor covering altogether. Now this kind of third way thinking, uh, Jesus was a master at it. And so in the scripture lesson we read just a moment ago, we find Jesus, he's tired out from his journey. He's sitting by the well, his disciples go away, and he finds himself alone with a woman from Samaria. And he begins a conversation, breaking all social convention, because first of all, he's not supposed to be talking to a woman who isn't his wife out in public. And second of all, he should not be talking to a Samaritan of any kind as a good Jew. But he asked the woman for a drink, and the whole conversation ensues. And I read it for you. I'm not going to repeat the whole story, but they get to the point in the conversation where she knows he's something special. She calls him a prophet. And so she tries to kind of suck him in, to draw him into the controversy of the day. You Jews say that the place to worship is Jerusalem, but our people say it's on this mountain. What do you say? See how she tries to suck him into the controversy of the day? What will Jesus say if he chooses the side of the Jews that the proper place to worship is Jerusalem? Then he alienates her and her whole community. And if he sides with the Samaritans that, yes, the place to worship is on this mountain, then he alienates his own people, his own disciples, the Jews. What's he going to do? What will he say? Now, this isn't the only time we see Jesus kind of try, they try to kind of suck him into the controversy, the hot topic of the day. We see one instance where the Pharisees and the Herodians kind of team up to trick Jesus. And so they come to him and they say, So, Jesus, you're so smart. Tell us, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? See how they try to suck him in? Because the Herodians thought, yes, we should. We should pay taxes to Caesar. They were Caesar's loyalists. And the Jews were like, no, we shouldn't pay taxes. It's not our people. And so they join teams. They try to get him to commit to one side or the other. If he says, yes, we should pay taxes to Caesar, then his Jewish companions are going to be livid. If he says, no, we shouldn't pay taxes to Caesar, the Herodians will be angry and he may have just broken a law. So what will Jesus do? Presented with two binaries, two seemingly opposite points of view, which side will Jesus choose? Now, you and I as Christ followers, we're not immune to this. We have sides pulling us to join them, pressing us to pigeonhole us, to make us pick sides when we're presented with two binaries. We're not immune. It's happening all around us. It's the air we breathe if we are aware. And so it's not taxes that we're arguing about, nor is it the proper place to worship. What do you think our primary binary is these days? What do you think it might be? Here it is, Pepsi versus Coke. So who's Team Pepsi? Okay, two people, fantastic. Who's Team Coke? Oh, a bunch of Team Coke, all right. So you got to choose sides. You can't be neutral. You better have raised your hand. So one more time, Team Pepsi, raise your hand. 
All right, Team Coke. All right, Team. So this is our primary. This is the big argument of the day, isn't it? Pepsi. For, do you remember the, the Cola Wars? You remember those back in the, when was that? The 90s, maybe? Mountain Dew, right? Pepsi, right? And I think over here is a Team Coke. Pepsi and Coke, that's the big, that's our big argument these days, right? Okay, maybe not. Maybe not. Is she really going to go there? Yeah, yeah, she is. You ready? You ready to be uncomfortable? You ready? Because I've got props, you know, me and my props, right? You ready to be uncomfortable? No, I'm I'm really uncomfortable. I'm sweating right now. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. (laughs) Here's the big binary. The elephant, yeah, (laughs) the elephant is in the room. Here it is. Here's the big binary. What do we do? As people of faith, what do we do? Now, I'm not going to pick sides. Don't worry. You can relax a little. She's not picking sides. No endorsement from this pulpit ever. Promise you that. But what do we do as people of faith? When Jesus was presented with a binary option, what did he do? Did he choose sides? Now, Here's the big one. I mean, this is, this is on our minds. It's how many months before the election? Thank you for taking a picture. I need a good picture of this. Thank you, Carlene. <laughs> what do we do? And I was, this is our binary. This is a two-party system that we have inherited. This is the air we breathe. And so every four years, we it's all we think about. We get sucked into this. We get, our, our minds kind of get taken over by this conflict. What will we do? Which side will we choose? And, and maybe we've already dug our heels in and there's really not a choice. We already know. We knew months and months, years maybe ago. But what do we do as people of faith when we gather together? How do we be a people of faith when I know that some of you are team red and some of you are team blue? How do we Stay church. How do we do this? Well, here's a thought. Just a thought. (laughs) Now, here's the deal. I want you to be good citizens, and I want you to vote. I'm going to vote. I want you to vote. I think that's our right, that's our responsibility. But here's the deal. When we're in this space, when we are together, and hopefully even beyond, we should strive to be like Jesus. To have a higher way, to think about a third way. Not to be apolitical, not to pretend that we don't have ideas and opinions, but to be trans-political to try to rise above the fray, above the bickering, above the partisanship, to find our place looking down upon all of it and recognizing what's at at play, that we're pulled into a binary. It's a two-party system. It's designed to do this. We can rise above. We can be trans-political and look at it from a Jesus-eye view. So, Partisanship out there, whatever. Here in this place, let's rise above that. Not apolitical, but trans-political. We're a purple church. We are. We've got red people. We've got blue people. We put them together in a church. It's a purple church. But you know this? That color, all these colors, it's an illusion. Did you know that? Biologically speaking, 
difference from scientific American color is a sensation created in the brain. If the colors we perceive depended only on the wavelength of reflected light, an object's color would appear to change dramatically with variations in illumination throughout the day and in shadows. Instead, patterns of activity in the brain render an object's color relatively stable despite changes in its environment. Color is an illusion. And I would suggest so are political ideologies. Patterns of activity in our brain, the same way we perceive color. When we're engaged in higher way, third way thinking, we can recognize that. And Jesus, well, he was a master of this third way thinking. So, the Pharisees, the Herodians, trying to suck Jesus into the controversy. Pay taxes or not. Jesus says, he tricks them back. He says, render, you remember this? Render. Render unto Caesar that which belongs to Caesar. The Herodians are saying, yeah, and the Jews are going, what? We we thought you were, what? Then he turns the tables and he says, and, that's an important word, by the way, and, and render what? Render unto God that which belongs to God. This both and thinking blew their minds. What? They were amazed and astonished. They were gobsmacked. He's so wise. Wow. Third way, thinking. That's the mind of Christ. And so then there's Jesus sitting at the well with the woman from Samaria. Should we worship on this mountain, Jesus, or should we worship in Jerusalem where your people say we should worship? And Jesus responds, my paraphrase, yes. Yes, we should worship here and here. Those who worship the Lord will worship in spirit. And in truth, time is now coming and is now here, he says. Both and. That's third way thinking, spirit and truth. That's not here or there. That's a a third way, something unseen to us. Now, I'm keeping it real today. Uh, I, I came into this sermon with a little fear and trepidation. I hope you still love me after this. Keeping it real, I'm worried about our country. Many of you have expressed a concern. And one of the things I'm worried about is how divided we are. We've never been this divided in my lifetime. Uh, some say that we've never been this divided since perhaps the Civil War. So, so we're a divided people. And I think it's, it's reasonable to be worried. You know, the things are changing all around us, and it's, it's hard to keep our grounding, keep our footing, right? But here's what I believe. I believe there's a way beyond this partisanship, a way beyond these binaries, a way that transcends the bickering of this day. And Jesus gives us a model for how to do that. Don't choose sides, but be trans-political. Looking toward heaven for a higher way, a third way. Pastor and theologian Cynthia Bourgeau puts it this way. I love what she says here. Solutions to impasses generally come by learning how to spot and mediate third force, she calls it, third way, which is present in every situation but generally hidden. Imagine what might happen if people of faith began to take this seriously, this third way thinking seriously as a primary way to practice our faith. 
Would we avoid, we would avoid making judgments to set our sights higher than winners and losers or even negotiated compromise and instead strive in all situations to align our minds and hearts with third force. Now, this isn't going to be easy because we're wired for the binary. It's how our systems and most of our brains are set up. We, we really kind of attach ourselves to the either or. But as people of faith, we pray and we meditate and we, and, and, and we engage in the spiritual practice of attending church that hopefully points us to a higher way of thinking and being. And we do these things so that we can rise up out of the binary and begin to find the mind of Christ. I hope that we can be a church that strives towards that. I hope that we can be a church that, that, that finds our way together through this partisanship, through this binary that we're swimming in these days. I close with a passage of scripture written by the Apostle Paul, presumably, when he was, I think, animated by this third way kind of thinking. He writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning with verse 13. And we speak of these things in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual things to those who are spiritual. Those who are unspiritual do not receive the gifts of God's Spirit, for they are foolishness to them. And they are unable to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And those who are spiritual discern all things, and they are themselves subject to no one else's scrutiny. For who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we, Paul writes, we have the mind of Christ. Let it be, church. Let it be. Thanks for tuning in to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.